everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a weird weekend. I think it's weirder in California. It's like snowing in Southern California. I I just had a problem because I went out to build a snowman in my bathing suit. (laughs) It was really attractive, by the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So we've got a great show today. Uh, But before we get into it, Nikki, um, we've had some terrific meals and gone out uh, a bunch of places, and Nikki's gone out to more. You want to tell everybody about yeah, it? Yeah, we've been really out and about the past week. Well, I mean, we're out and about every week, but a little more this week than usual. So we went out to Baltimore to uh, Charleston, uh, Cindy awesome. Wolf and Tony Foreman's restaurant. Such an incredible experience. The hospitality is um, just above and beyond everything you expect from a white tablecloth restaurant. But the high point really was the wine list. They pour uh, three-ounce and six-ounce pours of amazing, really hard-to-get unique wines. Um, So if you're a wine lover, I highly recommend that for you. Uh, Speaking of wine, but I did cocktails at Allegory. They tell such a great story at the Eaton Hotel. It's a little secret bar in the back. They're making amazing cocktails there. You should definitely check it out. Um, I also stopped at Bresca because I needed to see what Ryan Rotino was up to. And uh, talk about hospitality there. They are all like glowy and lovey and so nice. Um, so And they have also an amazing cocktail program. Um, Bammies, we also went to Bammies because I needed to get my Caribbean vibe on. And that was a lot of fun. And we popped into Albi where we had an amazing Armenian wine and glorious dessert. So yeah, that was really uh, aside from that, there are so many new restaurants opening in and around the D.C. area. Go to thelistareyouonit.com to find out about all of them. And, of course, you want to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S for all my fabulous travels and eats. Okay, take it away. All your fabulous travels and eats. All mm-hmm. right, so drink segment today is pretty interesting. Um, in Old Town Alexandria, the only hotel and spa is the Lorien which used to be a Kempton, right? So then we'll help people get oriented. I was there for the opening. Um, they've also got they've got Robert Weedmeyer's Bravo uh, Brasserie, um, but they've got a restaurant called The Tasting Room, which is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. um, and the spa, of course. So joining us today is Philip Blaine. He's the Lorian's GM. And Fernanda Romero, she's the Tasting Room's manager, and they're going to be making up some of the cocktails that they serve mm-hmm. at the Tasting Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, oysters have long been considered a natural aphrodisiac to increase sex drive and desire. And we have an expert with us today. Um, Rick Allison is chef owner of King Street Oyster Bar. Uh, any given day, they got 10 plus varieties of oysters on hand. And uh, we're going to hear all about it. And I don't know. I think Casanova used to eat his oysters at your place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in an increasingly rude world, do manners still matter as they did 100 years ago when Emily Post was America's go-to for etiquette and how to... How to be? Um, we say yes, and so does her great 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 granddaughter Lizzie Post, who's carrying on the tradition as co-author of Emily Post's Etiquette. Uh, Lizzie's going to join us. Uh, she's got uh, a special book that came out last October mm-hmm. on how to act in the 21st century. I'm going to send a copy to Donald Trump. Um, and Tara Saunders is co is sorry creator and co-founder of Delaterra Organics. They've got they offer wellness education, self self care consultations with locally crafted small batch organic wellness products. And she's got a really interesting past, too. We're going to be hearing all about that. 
So, All Feist, right. let's talk cocktails. Let's talk cocktails. Philip. All right, so Philip and I know each other from like a past life. It's been a while, Philip. What's that? Catch, Wait catch a minute. Us up. I'm going to have to kill you, Philip. No, I'm sorry. No, no. Oh. It, it, it has been a while, but in a in a previous life, I was the chef and owner of a little restaurant in Georgetown called Unum. Right. And Nikki and uh, was very fortunate I have, to come on by, and I was very fortunate that she came by often. To I know I was like, I think you're saying that wrong, but yeah, go ahead. No, it's true. You were, I was fortunate. To have you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us a little bit about the Lorian. What brought you there, and like what's happening there with the sort of change in ownership and the sort of vibe there? Sure, absolutely. So the Lorian actually hasn't changed ownership; it changed what we say in the industry flags. It was at Kempton, mm-hmm. and the owners just changed the, the management company. The management so now company. it's an independent hotel, mm-hmm. but still the classically really charming boutique hotel that you'd want to find in Old Town, the the brick, the courtyards, 107 rooms with a lot of suites, about 15 suites, clawfoot tubs, lots of balconies. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of the balconies are, are large enough to have really a proper reception. We've had weddings on there. Um, and as you mentioned in the introduction, the only hotel in Old Town with a spa uh, for that seems really odd to me. You would think given like Old Town's overall feel and like the quaint shopping. Well, and the and people there, I feel the need to pamper myself. No, I mean, they, I'm just surprised they're, they're that it's the only hotel. hotel with a spa. Uh, you know, I, I think you're right. And I think we're very fortunate that we have the spa. Mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of folks, the hotel industry is really the real estate business. And mm-hmm. so they always think, how many rooms, how many rooms, how many rooms? Um, and so what can you build? What can you do that offers that amenity? And it was interesting hearing you talk in the um, introduction about the experiences that you have and the mm-hmm. hospitality that all these fabulous sounding restaurants. And that's what we try and do is have that great experience. And so we're lucky to have the spa, but we try and look at every facet of the hotel, particularly just the environment that we're in, mm-hmm. um, the flowers, the, the courtyards, as I mentioned, to have that experience of oh I'm I'm somewhere else I'm not um, you know going you can go on a staycation or you're trying no, to it's a, it's a getaway and listen yeah. I think when you have really good hospitality it's really spoiling so that like the, in that next moment when you don't have it you're like hmm, yeah I happened? want it I want to go ha- back what, what happened, happened to me here? all right okay. cool Fernando what are you making for us first Hi so Hi. I'm making uh it's called Line of the Rose mm-hmm. uh, this drink was inspired by our best mixologists that we have at work, uh, Vanessa and Wilbur, mm-hmm. they're pretty great. Uh, we were working on our cocktails and we were playing with the Four Roses bourbon. And this is how um, the cocktail came out. We love it and we just named it after the name. Great. The Excellent. All right. When we come back, we want to hear about the tasting room too. Yeah, so I mean, we got plenty of time. So All right, we'll so Rick Allison is the chef owner of King Street Oyster Bar, named after King Street in Leesburg, not That's Old correct, Town. yep. That was the first question I asked. Uh, you've got restaurants in Leesburg, Middleburg, Potomac, and D.C., Park Potomac and D.C. Yes. And you got another yeah, one coming? DC. In Noma. In Noma. We're in oh, Noma. in Noma. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you said Park Potomac. Yeah, I'm from Bethesda. I think I know where Park Potomac okay, is. Well, it's kind of a new mm-hmm. Okay. So um, We are opening tell a new us. one in City Ridge. Okay. Uh, in the oh. new Wegman Shopping Center. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Close to here. All right. So let's talk about your trajectory. Like, how did you get into opening up your own restaurant and specifically focusing on So oysters. I live lived, raised my kids in Loudoun County, mm-hmm. and would always go to D.C., always went to Pearl Dive for great oysters. Mm-hmm. And so I just got tired of making that long drive, so I opened in. I know, but what were you doing I'm anyway? I'm an executive chef, so mm-hmm. I went to the CIA up in New York mm-hmm. in Hyde Park, was executive chef for Mike's American Grill, 
all great American. Mm. And then also Old Ever Grill in D.C. Okay, so you had Flash some background. It's not yeah. like you were just like, I want to no, do oysters. No, yeah. I, I used to I'm have sure. my own okay. table with Old So Ever. what was it that, so you saw a hole that was missing. It was yes. something that you were looking to fill. Correct. And so how'd you go about doing that? Because not, even if you're a great chef, not everybody has the business acumen to open up a restaurant. Correct. So a friend of mine owns uh, a bunch of businesses or buildings in Le- in Leesburg. Mm-hmm. And Chris Cooley, the ex-football player, yeah. was leaving his place where he had a studio. Mm-hmm. And so my friend Don This said, is where he hey, used to throw clay, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I still have his actual seat that he used to make clay cool. on, which is kind of crazy. But mm-hmm. so he said, hey, you got this place. You know, do you want to pick it up? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But I really want to do oysters. And I think it would be a really great void mm-hmm. that could, we, we could fill. And it was an instant success. Was it well, a, a we, void in Leesburg or a void in, in – But can we talk about your love of oysters? What is it about – because – Oysters come in a variety of shapes, sizes, yeah. flavor profiles, et cetera. So what, what is it about oysters that really turns you on? And then how do you go about sort of feeding that at your different properties? So I, I love East Coast oysters. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite. I like the salty, the briny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Specifics. Let's get specific. Raspberry points. Okay. One of my favorite out of PEI. Mm-hmm. Queen's Cup. Any oysters out of PEI, in my opinion, are one of the top. Okay. The cleanest. The saltiest, the briniest, they're the best. They're also mm-hmm. not the tiniest. They're right. not the tiniest either. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's it, when I go and pick, I pick anything from Virginia all the way up to Prince Edward Island on the mm-hmm. East Coast, from the West Coast, California, all the yeah, way to Yeah, PEI British people. Prince Edward, yes. Edward Island. Prince Edward Island. Yeah, sorry. If you're not in the know, you're not in the know. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I, and then I, I listen to what my uh, customers want too, mm-hmm. right? So it's... Depending, it could be something from Virginia, it could be something from Maryland. We have great sweet Jesus out of Maryland, which people mm-hmm. love. They love the name. Mm-hmm. We have fat babies out of New you York. You also have wild ass pony. We from have Maryland. wild ass ponies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's all about the name. I feel mm-hmm. that's what's going to sell it. But but I would assume your servers have to explain what they're going to be tasting 100%. because Definitely. if somebody doesn't have a palate for oysters and they're sort of getting like. Is there a gateway oyster that you recommend for people? So we have a happy hour oyster. We do happy hour every day, three mm-hmm. to six thirty. I'm sorry, a gateway yeah. oyster. Yeah, you know, like the introduction it's like to a, oysters. It's a basic oyster where people are going to love either way. Because they're scary if yeah. you don't know it. And we get them uh, out mm-hmm. of Virginia. It's a local oyster out of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Which one? And uh, Chickatee. It's okay. Chunu. The oyster is called Chunu. So is that a larger, meatier no, oyster? No, it's a me- more of a smaller. Um, not as meaty, but it's a great intro oyster for someone mm-hmm. who's maybe. Yeah, not I think into people would say it's like eating an eyeball. You know, you got to, I mean. It's a it's a definitely acquired taste. Right. I feel it's a, a lot of people don't know what to do with it when mm-hmm. they shoot it or put it in their mouth, but mm-hmm. um, we have to I mean, explain I feel like sometimes. that's a whole other rabbit hole know, we could yeah, go down a, there, that's Rick. That's why I was, didn't know what yeah. to say. <laughs> so, so, two questions. Number one, because the worst thing, particularly at the be- for a beginner, is to get an oyster that's got sand in it. Correct. So, oh, so shucking is so important. Yeah. Shucking is key. How you shuck it, um, the type of uh, utensil or tool you use to shuck it, making sure that you actually clean the bottom of it, taking the uh, the uh, oyster off the bottom so it's not still attached mm-hmm. to the actual shell. So when you do shoot it, it's not like half in and half and out. You're, you're gnawing but at it. But can we go right? back a little bit? So let's talk about when you get the oysters, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, let's say, like Wellfleet, Massachusetts yeah. oysters. So you get the oysters in. Mm-hmm. How do you care for them, clean them, make sure there's not like as little grit as possible on them yeah. so that when it gets to the shucker, then to the table, that it's a nice, clean well, oyster. Wait, don't they clean themselves for you? Isn't no, no, there something they, you can do? They this spit. Is, 
Yes. Yeah. I can explain that in a minute, but okay. I can tell you that. So they come into us. We get them out of uh, Congressional Seafood is our main seafood company mm-hmm. in Maryland, and, mm-hmm. and they're by far the best. So we get I mean, them you know down. you have competition in the room, right? Congressional Seafood is a, <laughs> is a purveyor. No, so. I know who they are. <laughs> so... Anyway, but our show is sponsored by Profish, oh, so I'm just saying where the oysters are fresh. Right? I didn't realize that. My fault. I didn't know. Um, That's right. Greg Keston has your number right. and your address. I'm going to be calling Glenn, you, Glenn and Greg. I've dealt, I've done business with them. Sure, so Rick. I'm sure. Fine. I said I got you your are number on my phone. And you're going to so say nice things, things about uh, <laughs> Jeff Black's restaurant too. Of I'm course. Sure. Um, okay, so go ahead. So anyway, um, we get them in. We clean them, uh, rinse them in cold water, just to make sure all the sand is off of mm-hmm. them. And then um, when we get them to you place your order, we shuck them to order. We go through and we make sure that there is no sand or shells in that, and then place it in ice and send it to you guys. Um, Got great. it. All right, we have to take a quick break. But when okay. we a quick break, excuse me, when we get back, let's uh, talk a little bit more about the menu and the okay. expansion. Okay, David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. You know, Nick, back in the day when I worked for Hex, the Hex Warehouse is over on uh, New York Avenue, and we hated being sent over there to do stuff because there was nowhere to eat for lunch. It was a wasteland. Well, not anymore. So the Ivy City area has exploded. And, you know, the very first restaurant over there was the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Now, this is a great neighborhood restaurant, but it's also a destination restaurant. First of all, they smoke all their seafood, and that is incredible. But it also is a huge kitchen that does amazing dishes, fresh seafood, great burgers, the whole deal. But the space is what you really need to check out. An amazing outdoor patio where you want to sit and have cocktails. They do live music there all the time and other live shows. And there is a great event space. So if you're looking for a place to hold a wedding or have a party, you definitely want to check out the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Well, it's uh, about 20 years too late, but now I have a good reason to go over to Ivy City and the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We are lucky to be talking to Rick Allison, who's the chef owner of King Street Oyster Bar. Four locations, fifth one coming up in D.C. Um, in that awesome building that used to be, what was it? Not the FHA. What was it? It was something. Oh, in the Wegman Center? Yeah. 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 Uh, Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae, mm-hmm. that's, that's what correct. it was. Mm. Awesome, awesome space. Oh, my God. So exciting. Yeah, so okay, cool. so you have this amazing offering of oysters. At every location. But you do but more. But you also do more. So let's talk about how the menu developed and what you're serving. We do anything from oysters, lobster rolls, burgers, mm-hmm. steak, seafood, chicken, pastas. We try to hit everything, mm-hmm. um, mainly concentrating on seafood, fresh seafood, fresh oysters. I mm-hmm. feel that we do the most oysters uh, at any day, any given day, than anyone in, this, in the area. Mm-hmm. We offer 12 right now. Uh, different raw oysters anywhere from the East Coast, from Virginia to, Cal- to uh, Prince Edward Island mm-hmm. or California to British Columbia. Okay. And then, like, you brought in lobster rolls today. today. yeah, we brought I mean, in some cold some lobster rolls. Those are monster lobster, lobster, lobster rolls. Fresh potato chips that mm-hmm. we make in-house. Um, mm-hmm. it's, they're awesome. P- people love them. We, we sell a ton of them. Um, and we've actually done this also in uh, City Open last year. Okay. Uh, it's beautiful. And then how did you expand, like, as far as your your drink menu? How does all of it complement the kinds of things? Like, when people come in and they have oysters, what do you recommend? Are you, like, champagne, wine, beer? Well, it really depends on the demographics. Like, Leesburg and Middleburg, a little bit more of beer drinkers, mm-hmm. wine drinkers. D.C. is 
way more cocktails. Mm -hmm. Potomac is way more cocktails. Hmm. So it's really depending on that person. And, and Are we, they trying to drink their troubles away? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But it's really the relationship we try to build with that individual person mm -hmm. at the table, right? We get to know you. Oh, Rick's here. Let me come back and say, hey, I love this, this, and this. Right. Or someone else. And then we know what you like. And then we kind of gear towards what you want. Is there some place where you is kind of your HQ or do you travel between I'm the restaurants? mainly probably in Potomac and D.C. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask. Um, so if I'm coming into the restaurant, mm -hmm. um, I like oysters, but I don't know all the oysters that you have. Mm -hmm. How would you put together a dozen for me? Well, first I would ask you if you would like salty or a sweeter oyster. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I would build oysters based on your liking. Okay. So, for example, as you get closer, if you're Sweet Jesus, for example, in Maryland, um, it's not as brining, but mm -hmm. it's a killer name. People love it. I think keep awesome. thinking you got to serve it with Raging Bitch from yeah. uh, right. um, or, or Flying Dog. Right. right. Yeah. And, but as you get closer to the ocean, it gets saltier. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I know you like more of a little bit sweeter, maybe not as saltier as brining, then I'll gear towards this. Mm -hmm. And then we'll work around that. Okay. So that makes sense. Want. But now when we talk about the West Coast oysters, mm -hmm. I mean, how does that flavor profile match? Like so, when I think of, I can and why never, don't you like them as much? Well, wait, Kumamoto. I, I like. I like, I like the West Coast. Right? Isn't that how it's Kumamoto? Yeah, I yeah. like the West Coast. It's a little bit sweeter, cucumber finish, melon finish. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different um, part of the world. Of, you know that you, they, the oysters come from, but it's different than the East Coast. And mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of East Coast. Well, it's like people love, Right. I think a lot of East Coast people love. The majority we sell is more East Coast than West Coast. Okay. Uh, All right. I got and one, then, I, wait, one last thing. All right, go ahead. I get, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, but people should know that it's really important to eat oysters because 100%. of what oysters do for the environment. So, can we just sort yes. of end on that sweet note? Yes. We're not so going to end on it, but okay. yes. So, we, we team up with the Oyster Recovery Partnership out of Maryland, mm -hmm. Annapolis. And so, what we do is we, um, for every oyster shell we give back, mm -hmm. they uh, we donate. They have 10 uh, larvae on top, and it creates uh, 10 new oysters. Each oyster filters 50 gallon of water per day. Mm -hmm. And I think this year, last year, um, Governor Hogan, uh, was 1 billion oysters they had planted into wow. the Chesapeake Amazing. Bay. That is okay. amazing. Ask your right, question because we got to wrap it up. Because I use oyster toothpaste just in case. Are oysters an aphrodisiac? Oh, yeah. That's I a feel boy. Definitely. Tell us where we can find you on Instagram, please. Uh, at King Street Oyster Bar. And come check us out in City Ridge. Excellent. New opening. All right. Thanks so All much. All right. So let's go back to Philip and Fernanda. Yeah. So this cocktail this is, drink is beautiful. Great. Yeah. Really refined. Thank gorgeous. You. Thank you. So let's talk about your... Uh, Tasting room. The tasting room and the restaurant, like, and how it all sort of fits in with what you guys are doing sure. at the Laureate. So the the marquee restaurant is Bravo Restaurant, which is no longer Robert Weedmeyer, was mentioned before. Mm -hmm. no, it was when it opened, but it's, he's he's no longer affiliated with it. Right. And that's a modern European brasserie, mm -hmm. and, and it runs the gamut from, you know, special occasion to casual um, mussels, steaks, seafood, so a lot of good stuff. And the tasting room was more of the, the, the counterpart of the cute little neighborhood cafe. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably 50 seats. Actually, not even. It's probably closer to 35 seats. Was that seats. originally the marketplace so when there, the restaurant, when the when the Lorian opened, there was like a marketplace? There, is it that sure where, was. Is yeah, that absolutely. You're absolutely okay. right. It's right on, on, on I mean, come King on, Street. Dude, I'm usually right. Yeah, you are right. <laughs> um, but there is no market anymore. And the place is just charming. It's precious. It's mm -hmm. really sweet. 
Uh, it's motif of a, um, it's a little bit of a like a garden shop with whimsical wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but the food is and the and the cocktails are the are the main draw, of course. And so mm-hmm. for the food, um, there's a wood burning oven, so lots of really terrific flatbreads. We also do a lot of cast iron uh, dishes, uh, head-on shrimp that are terrific, a cornbread that comes out of the oven. Yeah. That's just absolutely dynamite. Who's the chef? Um, so the executive chef is named uh, Freddie Garcia Guire, and he is um, oversees both properties. So do you go right, in there because no, you're no, a no, former no. chef, and you tell them what to do? Thankfully, I don't. Okay. And so we will we'll talk like a little bit about- I'm out of the biz about, for a reason. That's yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it's fun to talk about food, and I loved hearing all about the oysters and, and made me really hungry and a little jealous again. Well, there is lobster rolls here. There are, again, I'm, I've been eyeballing Okay. I'm going to have Fernanda come in and tell us about her next drink. Great. Um, so the next one is the Positana Costa. Uh, mm-hmm. That was just inspired since um, we're trying to be like, like a European concept. And um, the Positano, it's um, from Italy. We and, know Positano. <laughs> and uh, it's a sweet drink, really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really um, drink to start with some uh, flatbreads. It really goes with everything. It's just like a... Uh, really refreshing drink after work. Great. Well, if Philip okay, really good. liked us, he'd take us to Positano so we Great. could drink this. But All right, pass it around, please, for everybody right. to taste so, in studio. Emily Post is an American icon. She is the one that, beginning in the early 20th century, told people how to comport themselves the best ways. And her great-great-granddaughter, Lizzie Post, is now with us. Hi, Lizzie. Hi. Hi, and she's well, carrying on carrying Hi. on the family tradition. Uh, Nikki interviewed so can Lizzie. I, yeah, on... can I just jump in? So sure. I met Lizzie at an event that she was hosting here yeah. back in like what was that October? Could it have been that long ago? Uh, December, December. Okay, good. December, it was mid the holiday crush. Yes. <laughs> anyway, and it was such a fabulous uh, event. You brought your book with you, and you really talk to us all about etiquette today. And then, of course, I interviewed you on Industry Night, and we had a really great conversation. But I wanted to bring you on the show today because I thought we could come at it from a really different purpose. And one of the things you and I Mm -hmm. talked about a lot was that, you know, there's a sort of this thought about etiquette that it's it's like pinkies raised and that it's super elitist. But, you know, it's really about kindness. And during this time, given sort of the feel in the world, a little kindness is nice, right? It is. It feels really, really good. Um, I was I was actually just listening to mm-hmm. another uh, etiquette author from Debrett's, which is like England's uh, main etiquette company, um, talk about etiquette. And it just filled my heart with joy because he was talking about how it, it's all based on consideration and respect and kindness and thoughtfulness and being aware of the people around you. And I was like, those are all the things yeah, but- let me take you in a different direction because the yeah. the forty fifth president of the United States was the king of rude, and he brought rude into the mainstream and kicked over a bunch of rocks and a lot of creeps crawled out, and and so any any kindness and etiquette in kind of public life went away. Now you have a president giving a State of the Union and people idiots yelling liar. Hmm. So. I mean How, that had been done before. As I well, know, but, but not yes, that was a. a I know, new. but so so. Yeah. How hard is your job now? I think it's getting better every day. Um, it you know the fact that people care. I love people standing up for respect and honesty and consideration and seeing something uh, like bad behavior in a politician or a celebrity and saying. 
I, I don't look up to that. I don't appreciate that. I don't like that. I, I don't see that as good. I think you're always going to have moments and people who you catch in moments where they lean into the negative, they lean into the selfish, they lean into the self-absorbed. Um, I think that's always going to exist. A little bit of maybe job security for me, then, but I feel like it's... Uh, it's Emily dealt with it in her day. You know, we like to look back and think. Well, can oh, we just sort of say what so her day better. was? What is Emily's day? When when sure. was that? Let's so give a little Emily's little history. Day, she was born in the Gilded Age. So if you've seen that show from from HBO, that was her world. She was invited to the big party at the end of at the end of the first really? season. Mm -hmm. uh, her family received an invitation. They sadly couldn't go because there was a funeral they had to attend. So oh. they weren't there, but mm -hmm. they were invited. But they were in that world. She died in 1960. So you're talking about someone who went from, you know, horse and buggy all the way to airplanes. Um, that's a really, like, expansive life, I feel mm -hmm. like. She saw a lot of things change. Um, but even in her day, in the 1920s, when she started writing about etiquette after having been a writer for quite a while she really cared about this idea that it didn't matter how much money you had, you could still be hospitable, you could still be welcoming, you could still aim to be a lovely, pleasant participant in our public spaces, and that that was worthwhile. And that has carried through for forever, even with wars and cultural revolution and mm -hmm. bad presidents and all kinds of things. It's amazing how much the idea of civility endures, well, I'm, no matter how much crap we throw at. I was going right. to ask you, what were some of her sort of the key tenets of her of her, you know, her style and her, her sort of the, her Ten Commandments that are still applicable today? Because some aren't. Some just went the well, way of time. That's true. So. Um, maybe a better way to start is that at, at Emily Post today, we talk about etiquette being made up of two things, principles and manners. And the principles are some of the things we just talked about, consideration, respect, honesty. Those are actually the three we, we focus on at Emily Post. And the manners are the actions and expectations that we have of each other. They are specific to cultures and specific to time, mm -hmm. and they change. So Emily had this backbone of an idea of civility. And then throughout the course of the, uh, how many editions did she do? She wrote from 1922 to 1960. And I think that was 14 editions. That backbone was always there, but no longer did she talk about chaperones or women wearing gloves or uh, certain customs that had changed over time. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that changed the least table manners. Emily Post was one of the first to really carry us from the Victorian era into modern table settings. She was the one who declared you shouldn't have more than three of any implement on the table at a time. Right. Um, and, and to really take away all of the extra and think about it from a practical standpoint. Wait, Lizzie, I got to hold on one sec. I have to sort of put a pin yeah. in you for one minute. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, uh, we have to take a time. quick commercial <laughs> break. Uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're going to get more etiquette. Be kind when you get back. Okay, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with Lizzie Post. The listen great... to Fernanda shaking Yeah, she's cocktails. shaking up that cocktail. Lizzie, I wish I could pour a cocktail through the computer I know, for it you, feels but... very rude that we're not one. giving you a cocktail. But Lizzie, Lizzie is the modern iteration of her great-great-grandmother, Emily Post, and mm -hmm. she's really focused on... 
you know, interesting on, on how we should and could comport ourselves in the digital age. And one of the things in your notes, you, you were interested in talking to Nikki about QR code menus and restaurant tipping That's versus eliminating so of the, the moment. people getting along that way. Because some people, you know, they, they bridle when they when they see that a tip's already been added and, they're, you know, yep. they're kind of stuck with it versus all the other options. So why don't you discuss that? I tell you, tipping has been the hottest topic for the last, I would say, we're, we're coming up on like 18 months now. I feel mm-hmm. like I've been talking about it nonstop for a year and a half. And I think that's a, a big sign that people are frustrated with the system. Um, having the the convergence of coming out of a pandemic, mm-hmm. having tech advanced to the point where most places have some kind of a tablet or screen um, where it's very easy to add that option to tip mm-hmm. and inflation really, really pinching people's pennies. Um, I feel like those three things coming together have made the prevalence of the tip screen something that people are just pushing back against. They are really frustrated. Well, I think the problem is places like retail. Right. But the, you know I, I think mean? the problem is honestly today um, because there's so many different feelings out there about tipping mm-hmm. and how people should make a living wage. Um, so yeah. there's a lot of differing views on there on how it works because yeah. there's too many things going on in the kitchen of a restaurant um, mm-hmm. for the server to be held completely responsible for everything that's happening. So, so you know, that's, that's just a point. That's actually a point of etiquette that we've had tied up for a long time. Mm-hmm. We have always said at Emily Post that you do not use your money when you should be using your mouth. I love that, that. you do not do anything less than the the longtime standard of the lowest percent, which was 15 percent mm-hmm. that you always if you walk into a restaurant for sit down service, you have kind of entered a social contract that says, I'm going to commit to paying 15% for the service. If I'm upset about that service, if it's bad, first of all, Nikki's absolutely right. There are a lot of reasons other than the server for why your food might've been late, the restaurant might've been having problems, all kinds of things. It's so important to recognize that. But it does no good to leave a 0% tip or even, I've, I've seen people- No, who you just look like a jerk. A penny or like writing, don't take yeah. like I-95 at 5 p.m. That's a tip for you. Like, you know what <laughs> oh I mean? Just be I know, it's awful. That was a, a woman on Wendy, a Wend- or no, the Tyra Banks show. She said that <laughs> when Amazing. we did an etiquette show with them. But it was, it's, people get so nasty about it. Mm -hmm. And we have said for a long time now, you do not enter sit down service without leaving a 15% tip. If you have a problem, you go speak to the manager to let them know you had a disappointing experience. Absolutely. I think that, yeah. Holding firm on that. That is so civilized. My God. Well, that's how it should be. You know, you should write a book on etiquette. Well, so let's talk about the most recent book because. Why? why, What do you know? I mean, so let's talk about the newest book and sort of its focus because you've you've had lots of different focuses on some of your books and this one is specific <laughs> to the time 
So our latest book is Emily Post's Etiquette, the Centennial Edition, and it is celebrating the 100th anniversary of the book itself. Mm -hmm. um, it happens to be the 20th update, uh, and it is the first time in a long time that the book has, and actually, I think it's the very first time the book has ever been rewritten totally from scratch, mm. um, but it was an overhaul of an update. We removed 400 pages um, in order to make the book a lot more affordable. Mm -hmm. And we also made sure to really zero in on true everyday etiquette. I think people can go to our website, emilypost.com to look up hiking etiquette. They don't need it printed and, and paying for it in right. the book, you know what I mean? Um, but we really tried to focus on those core values of consideration, respect, and honesty and getting people to experience etiquette in a way that doesn't just make it seem like if I do this, it will be right and everything will be okay. Right. But to be critical thinkers about our behavior and our impact on the people around people around you and our impact on the people around us, excuse me. And I really feel like that has, has, done Emily justice, done the brand justice, done the idea of etiquette justice. It really feels like a, 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 a good start to a new century for our brand. All right. I want to take you in another direction because in reading up on her, okay. she was a big prohibitionist. Uh, she, she did not like prohibition. She railed against, excuse me, anti-prohibitionist. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. She was an anti-prohibitionist. She, um, she, uh, very much so followed her father in, in politics and in thought on how the world should be. And she really believed that things like alcohol, um, smoking, things like that were, uh, up, up to the individual. It was an individual's right to decide about those things for themselves. And so though she did not drink herself, mm -hmm. uh, she fought heavily against prohibition. Now she must've been happy in 1933 when they wiped it out. <laughs> All right. Lizzie, tell everybody where we can find you the and book. the education, the book, everything, the Institute, please. Oh, EmilyPost.com. You can find everything. We have a wonderful shop with digital planners for throwing parties. Mm -hmm. We have an amazing podcast that I, um, I really love. We answer everyday etiquette questions. And of course, our latest book is available there. Um, we do have signed copies available. Actual signed copies, not like pre-printed signed You better. <laughs> I expect it. All right, Lizzie, so good to see you again. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Great us today. To you too. Thank <laughs> bye you bye. both. And lovely to meet you, David. Nice <laughs> meeting you. Bye. All right. Huh, somebody bye. likes me. I know. How about that? Um, all right. Let's go back to Fernanda. This drink. is beautiful. So when we entered our room at the, uh, Matt, what was the name of the hotel in Hawaii? Oh, um, uh, in Lanai? Yeah. Um, Mandalay Bay. Mandalay Bay. Mm-hmm. It was a the, rock resort then, now it's the, a Four Seasons. The room was full of hibiscus, and mm -hmm. everything smelled. I mean, it was like the smell, and I've, I've loved it ever since. This is a great taste. Mm -hmm. well, so let's you. talk about, we were talking a little bit about the menu in the tasting room, but let's talk about the, since we're pouring cocktails, sort of the what you guys are doing for the beverage menus and how you're applying it to the food that's being served there. Sure. So the cocktails, again, keeping in the context of the tasting room as a neighborhood place to gather. So mm -hmm. it was interesting. We were focusing a little bit more on on a few select wines and a few select cocktails. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to say hear about how more cocktails in DC, more cocktails in Potomac, more cocktails in Alexandria. So we started mm -hmm. to expand the menu and people are interested in, in unique ingredients, some flavorful stuff, the interesting things like the hibiscus. 
Um, but also a, there's a steady stream of desire for classics. And so the idea becomes, well, how do we take a classic like a Manhattan and add something a little bit more unique to it, whether that's from a bitters or from a, maybe a different uh, kind of cherry, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And so um, for the Maria's Revenge cocktail, mm -hmm. um, it was very funny because we have some great mixologists and some great mm -hmm. cocktails. And surprisingly, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Bredocchio with, oh, I can make the best cocktail. I can make the best cocktail. Well, is there, with Fernanda, I mean, is there a lot of competition among the bar people? Are you all like, well, everybody wants to outdo themselves. And so I said, we like, are the parents of a prominent bartender, and it's, that's all he lives for. Yeah, you want to show off your stuff. And so I think we mention him every week. He's at Silver Line, yeah, needs, Sam Nellis. Visit he, him. He needs the publicity. Right, well. Samuel Harris Nellis. Okay. Silver Lion. Rick's Hotel. Don't miss it. So Go when ahead. we're coming up with the opening menu, it was like, all right, let's see what you got. You know, so everybody was putting out some things and everybody, mm -hmm. oh, mine's the best, mine's the best. Oh, this is so great. And they were all pretty good. And then you know, Fernanda, who's also known as Maria, comes in and she's like, well, I have an idea. And and she's, you know, the petite sort of dynamo, like you, Nikki, who comes mm -hmm. in and and she just crushes everybody with this with this cocktail that All she right, creates. All right, well, let her tell and us so, about the cocktail. And that's the Maria's Revenge. All right, let's hear it. Hi, yes. So um, it's a hibiscus margarita, but it's also like a spicy mm -hmm. touch to it. It's uh, made up with uh, ancho reyes chili liqueur, mm. um, hibiscus syrup, and uh, milagro te um, tequila. So did you color. add the spice to cut the sweetness? Of yes. the syrup? Yes, just a little bit mm -hmm. um, so that way it's not too spicy. I know a lot of people don't like too many spicy drinks. Uh, no, but, no, no. <laughs> I love a spicy drink because I think um, it really clarifies. It sort yes. of takes out that sticky sweet that some cocktails have. So I love a little kick in a drink. Well, let me ask the question. Why is it Maria's Revenge? Because the only kind of revenge I know is Montezuma's, and <laughs> that's not good. So what? Well, um, like Phil was saying, we do have uh, great, great uh, mixologists at work. Wilbur mm -hmm. and Vanessa, they had great ideas, and they always come out with the special cocktails every week. So we do have like a special cocktail every week. They'll come with different ideas. Then, um, so I came in with this drink, and they're like, okay, let's call it Maria's Revenge. Okay. Excellent. You know, All right. right. Thank you. All right. Now we're going to talk wellness. Yes. Tara Saunders, who has an amazing background. You're going to have to tell us okay, about it. Okay, but wait, before you get into it. So uh, Tara uh, was on Industry Night. Okay. So let me give it context, please. Um, you do pop-ups. You're a part of a lot of urban markets. You, mm -hmm. You're around in a lot of areas, especially in the D.C. market. Yes. And that's how you and I met. And when you were on the show, I was like, oh, I got to get you on this because you have so much more to sort of say. So talk a little bit about your background and how you got into the business. Yeah, if I'm not careful, I could probably talk through the whole show. Okay. Well, we <laughs> only got 10 do. minutes. Yeah, you got to get your own show, okay. man. That's it. <laughs> um, so there are a few elements of how I ended up where I am now. Um, but what we do is we offer free wellness education and self-care consultation. Mm -hmm. And then we make the products that might meet those needs. Okay. Um, so getting to this point where there's a product line and there's the education, technically that started because of sunscreen. Okay. Um, about, what year are we in? Like nine years ago now, mm -hmm. I had stopped wearing sunscreen because it's so bad for you. Right. But so is a sunburn. Right, and I'm thinking about the sunscreen I'm wearing on my face right now. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's okay. I'll read the label for you later. Okay, thank you. Um, so chances are we're going to have to replace it. Okay. So with that kind of rock in a hard place of I don't want to wear sunscreen because it's really bad, but I don't want to sunburn and I'm not going to hide from the sun, mm -hmm. I, I had stopped wearing sunscreen. So in an effort to try and find an option that would just be okay, 
Mm-hmm. I shopped farmers markets in San Diego, every page on Etsy, and I could not find anything. Mm-hmm. So I gave so, up and started making my own. Okay, but what were the ingredients that yeah, are specifically how'd you do the like? Research to figure it out? What is it that's so bad? Because the uh, the word out there in skincare is um, you should wear sunscreen every day. Yeah, absolutely. Because of all the different rays that are coming out. Um, and I mean, we're both some worshipers, but- That's why my face looks like a catcher. That part aside. Um, but they do tell you it's really important, even like on a cloudy day. Yes, So especially on a cloudy day. Actually. Right, so what is it that you are taking out that is going to benefit your skin? So rather than the approach that most wellness, quote unquote, brands take is to, it's what we call greenwashing. Mm-hmm. They'll advertise all these catchy, bad ingredients that they're not using. Like pava. Yeah, to distract you from the stuff they are using. So the approach we take instead is all plants. Mm-hmm. Every one of our ingredients is plants and minerals. They come out of the ground, literally of the earth. That's right. what della terra means, uh-huh. of the earth. Mm-hmm. And that's the important approach. But of course, things that are coming from petroleum, things from heavy metals, we should not be putting that on our skin. Sure. So that's an easy way. But the easiest advice I give people is just read the label. And if it's not all plants, you should probably get suspicious. Okay. All right. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about how your product line grew yes. and how that works within your business. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Tara Saunders, who is uh, creator and co-founder of Della Terra Organics. Tara, I've got a question. What training or studies did you do to figure out what's bad and what's good in these products? So that's the other half of the how did this happen, right? Mm -hmm. Sunscreen was maybe the the spark, but not not most people say, I can't find sunscreen. They're like, I'll just make some. Right. And that, in part, comes from a very unique childhood. Um, I had a different perspective on things because I grew up making and growing everything that I needed. We Mm -hmm. lived in an off-grid, sustainable um, community run by a group of Lakota Sioux. So They made movies like this. Yeah, Like like the wild child running through the forest. Yeah, my childhood could definitely have been a movie. Like my favorite book growing up was The Girl Who Loved Wild Horses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very alternative childhood. And that gave me this connection to community, to plants, both as food and medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had an ear infection, I knew to get St. John's wort from the garden and garlic and go to sleep with that in my ears and I'd wake up fine. Hmm. As a seven-year-old, right. that was natural to me. Plus, a okay. vampire wouldn't get you, so that's perfect, right? Very smart. I'm covered all around. Uh-huh. Okay, so you make your sunscreen. Yes, it's all plant-based, and so I know this could sound like a silly question, but Never. we are—we all think of like—is it fifty? Is it seventy-five? Like, do you work under those kind of parameters when it comes to your sunscreen? So there has been some misinformation about SPF and mm-hmm. what it means and how it works. Um, SPF is a number created in a sterile lab environment mm-hmm. where there are no external factors. There's no actual sunshine. There's no salt water, pool water, sweat because you're running around playing. Um, but that number means how long you're protected, mm. not how much protection you have. Oh. So technically, is you it could, true? Yeah. <laughs> you could go out with an SPF 5 and just reapply every probably 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Um, but it's, think of it like a half-life type thing. It's how long you're protected You're making for. me believe that everything in life is just bull hockey. You okay. know that? It's... You said it, not me. Right. <laughs> okay, so you create your sunscreen. Yes. So the sunscreen is a part of our line. Um, right. At this point, we have a full self-care line. Probably anything you need for your body, we make. Skin care, hair care, all of it. Well, but let's talk about what that means because I feel like 
self-care, wellness, like it's all kind of been bastardized as yes. of late. So how do you get beyond that? So that's where the consultations come in mm-hmm. and the variety of things. At this point, we have a bit over 70 SKUs. Okay. So whether it's skincare and hair care or stress and anxiety relief or help with better sleep or pain relief, mm-hmm. inflammation. I feel like everybody in the studio after the show is I over. Have yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything for everyone. Can you help me? Hey, I'm your, I'm your best you. friend. I would like you just to mix it all in one big glass. I have samples of everything. Right. Um, can we just put like little tinctures in our cocktails and be yeah. okay? <laughs> we can look at options okay. for sure. Um, so... That's where the consultation, the education come in. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can just shop on our website. But more importantly, let's do the educational part of this. Sure. Let's talk about what your needs are. For you, with your curls, you need moisture. Mm-hmm. I know we talked earlier about some sleep and anxiety and pain so options. So you already did some we consulting. Okay. We started the conversation. <laughs> okay. um, Wait a minute. You have anxiety? <laughs> no, she's talking about you. No, no. no. Uh. We had that conversation <laughs> uh-huh. earlier. So having this conversation about what your needs are and what Mm -hmm. plants can address those needs, because Mm -hmm. for tens of thousands of years, we used plants for everything. Mm -hmm. It's the last 50 to 100 that we got confused and we took the word medicine away from plants. Give it to pharma. I didn't say it. You did. Um, Again. (laughs) But yeah, returning to plants as medicine, especially when it comes to the hemp plant and our entire CBD and Delta 8 line, the hemp plant is our oldest written record of humans using plants for wellness. Okay. We've been writing about it for 3,000 years or more. We've been using it for tens of thousands. Okay. But I feel like, well, I don't feel like, uh, CBD is, again, another huge marketing term. Yes. We see it everywhere. But is it really effective and how do you use it to make it effective? Yes. So on that, even just the fact that people know this plant as CBD, Mm -hmm. CBD is itself only one of about 150 beneficial compounds found in the hemp plant. Oh, okay. So just CBD may not be the right compound for any of us in this room, for example. It's also how much CBD, too. How much can be a part of it and which CB compounds? They're all called cannabinoids. These cannabinoids interact with our body's endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. It's this private highway that runs roughly parallel to your nervous system, connects with the compounds from the hemp plant to give you, yes, all of the benefits that you've seen advertised. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and people, I, I, maybe I'm confused too, because we call marijuana hemp too. So if you smoke a joint, are you getting all the benefits? So if that you... misinformation was very calculated by uh, a certain program that was put into place 50, 60 years ago. We won't go into that because I'll be here all day. Okay. Um, But yeah, that misinformation is what we're trying to combat. Mm -hmm. So hemp is a plant with hundreds, thousands of different subspecies under it. Some are cannabis, what we know in social and media terms as marijuana. Mm -hmm. Some are hemp. Hemp is more medicinal. Cannabis is more recreational, although that's not even a hard rule. Mm -hmm. So from the hemp plant, which is where all of our products are coming from, you get all of these different benefits, assuming the product has been made um, with the right intention. Because it it takes us right back to what you were talking about earlier. How many of these products are out there with CBD or hemp-like whatever uh, and they're just mass But not only that, they have yes. crap in them yeah, so on top of it. Yeah, so 70% of the global, 60-70%, depending on latest um, testing, of global hemp products, specifically things that we would call quote-unquote CBD, mm-hmm. are not what they say on the label. They're more, they're less, they're completely different. They have bad ingredients that you didn't want. So we have people come to us all the time. I've tried CBD. It doesn't work for me. 
no, the right CBD works for you. Interesting. Everyone that we've helped. All right, we got to stop, unfortunately. Tell everybody where they can find you and get a consultation. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Consultations and education are always Should have bought free. a couch. I'd be right. ready. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so you can find us on social media at Della Terra Organics. Uh, you can also shop our website, DellaTerraOrganics.com. But before shopping, please reach out if you have any questions so that we can help you make well, the choices. Well, you're, you're in down in sort of headed to the south in Virginia. So do, do, do you do stuff online too? Yes. Yeah, so we make everything in Virginia, but we ship all over the country and even globally depending. So you, you can do the consultation online we too. We can do the consultation virtually or you can come by any of our events. You had mentioned we found each other through Urban Market. They right. host local pop-ups. We'll be with them in the fall this year. Excellent. And we have a co-op in D.C. It's in Cleveland Park called Femme Fatale with 70 women and non-binary owned oh. brands. You can shop there too. Excellent. Love it. All right. I'm Thank all you. Over that. Thank you so much. All yeah, right. That's great. Lorian Hotel, let's get back up to the mic. The last one. So, we got a couple minutes left. What kind of promotions? What do you guys have coming up? I mean, spring is sprunging. So, what is uh, happening next? Well, first of all, I want to say that it sounds like we should find a new partnership for our spa and your products oh my because God. they seem like they go I hand love in hand. A little business on the wait, show. Wait, wait, wait. Is that a cash register right. I hear ringing? Ching, ching. Ching, ching. So, no. Well, they're actually at the spa. There is a CBD massage, and so I've just been um, introduced to you know, the products I have, and that's a that's a huge market, and so there's a, a retail component, of course, at the spa uh, for open for the public. And, and for, maybe you can put little dropperfuls on top of oysters. I mean, maybe there's yes. something else we I, can get I, going I, on I here. Think, I've think, got a whole business wait a minute, plan we're happening. We're going to make CBD chips. Yes. I, I, think, I think that we should have a Foodie and the Beast reunion, that we were going to have uh, Terrace um, massage and or oils Food and some oysters, and, then, and Fernanda's cocktails, right. and I think it's a it, it's a and, and what the I hell? It. I'll bring a joint. We'll be okay. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Or gummies. We can just do gummies. Yes. <laughs> okay, so tell us quickly, because you got about a minute, like some of the promotions that are happening that people can look forward to. Sure. So um, springtime, a lot of outdoor stuff. We have uh, cookouts in the in the front courtyard. We have um, all the traditional things, St. Patrick's Day, uh, Mother's Day, those types of events that are going mm-hmm. on. But really, I mean, more so than anything, you should always think about the, the Lorien Hotel, the Brava Restaurant, the Taste Room, as a really special but neighborhood place where you don't need a special occasion. You don't need a special event coming on. Um, just come on by. You're going to have great food, great service, great cocktails, as you've, you've had a chance to We have witnessed, yes. And, and a wonderful spa with some soon, hopefully, some, some new Excellent. wonderful products. All right. All right, great. Tell everybody, please, where they can find you online and on Instagram. Sure. Instagram is at the tasting room ALX. And the website for the hotel and the restaurants is at thelorianhotel.com. Thank you, both. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. Great. Okay, go ahead. All right. So we just passed the, the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine. And uh, I hear people say how tired they are of reading about it and all that. I haven't heard anybody say I've that. heard lots of people. Okay. And it's because I watch the news. Oh. Um, well, this It's essential that the Ukrainians win uh, for all kinds of reasons. And it's also essential that people here who have – uh, good lives, safe lives, um, uh, just reach into their pockets and send some money to, you can send it to World Central Kitchen, mm-hmm. you can send it to the Red Cross, you can go online, you can go to cnn.com and find a whole, uh, a, a link to 20 charities that are helping refugees, that are providing medicine, everything they need. So just remember, you know, we're all safe and hunky-dory here and there are lots of places in the world where it's not that way and particularly in the Ukraine. So Get involved. Okay, great. And we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. Uh, everything you heard here today, you can find on the list or you want com. Of course, you want to follow me at NYCCINELLIS on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And um, as Lizzie Post was talking about kindness, just a reminder to everybody take your kindness pills out there when you go out. 
Um, staffing shortages are still real. And when you go into a restaurant, just you're there for fun and a good time. So take a deep breath, order that cocktail, and have um, a great night. So thank you for joining us today. Everybody have a delicious week. <laughs> <laughs>